Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Hey, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I started the show four and a half years ago with the intent of really only doing 50 episodes, and now we're over the 450 mark, but I started it as a way to get access to really smart people who weren't just calling themselves entrepreneurs, they were living it. People who were doers, people who were making things happen, because I have discovered in my own life that success leaves clues. And so if you can get around people who are successfully doing things and are being recognized for their efforts, you can't help but learn something. Whether they intended or not, they are going to leave a nugget, a suggestion, an idea, a theory, some sort of a best practice that you're going to be able to say, whoa, if I do that, I can do better. And that's why I started this show and that's why we continue. And today I've got Jim Hunter. Now he is the founder and CEO of Dynatrap and their slogan is stop zapping and start trapping. And this has to do with mosquitoes. And when I heard about him, he is a finalist for the Midwest uh, Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. And I heard about him through a press release. And I usually ignore, I get something like 25 requests a week from PR people who want to tell me about people who should be on cool things entrepreneurs do. And I usually just hit delete because I only do one interview a week. The Tuesday show is usually just me sitting here talking to you. And so I only do one show a week on Thursdays. And so I usually ignore these things. But there were two things about him. One is... I love the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards as a program. I used to be involved as a sponsor when I worked for a bank and a law firm for the Austin Awards. I have several friends who have been finalists in Austin, a couple who have gone on to be finalists of the whole program. Uh, my brother also used to work for Ernst & Young for a long time, so I'm a big fan of the program because he was a big advocate for it. And then also, how do you not love somebody who has dedicated a major part of his life to getting rid of the mosquitoes? I am one of those people, if we were to sit outside and have a beer, you might be like, oh, I got one or two mosquito bites, and I would look like I had leprosy. They find me, I don't know what it is in my blood or what it is that I eat, but mosquitoes love me. So when I saw the combination that he was a finalist for this, and he's ridding my world of mosquitoes, I need to get myself a Dynatrap uh, so that I can sit outside and have that beer. So Jim, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm uh, very interested in your program. It sounds very interesting. Uh, my career over the past several years has been promoting entrepreneurship. I, I teach at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. been doing that for 23 years. A course called Entrepreneurship. And, of course, you cannot teach entrepreneurship. You have to experience it. Absolutely. And I've been I've been working for myself now as 10 years. I, I worked in corporate America as a sales and marketing person, and I, I was pretty successful. I had some really good jobs. I worked for some great companies. I, I made a difference. But I realized that I had my ladder against the wrong wall. Working for somebody else wasn't fulfilling me. And so for the last 10 years, I've made my living speaking at companies and at association conferences. And uh, I have experienced the highs and the lows uh, because when you're the person who is the product, that's hard too. But then at the same day, you have to do all the marketing, you have to run everything, you have to take care of the accounting. Uh, I have learned more in the last 10 years than I've learned in my whole life. So yes, you have to experience it. 
Well, that's very interesting. I, I worked for large companies for 11 years, and I claim that eight of that 11 years was an absolute waste of time. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot about a vertical portion of a company, but not about business. And so when I fought, bought my first company, I was an absolute flop. I bought the wrong company. It was losing money for three years. It was in a terrible location, had a militant union, a product that was technically uh, challenging, and nobody knew how to make it. It was an absolute disaster, and I lost everything. I mean everything. Started another company out of the ashes of that one, and actually that was in 1976, a long time ago, and that one still uh, survives. It's an industrial products company. Are you are you still involved? Are you still involved with that company as well? Yes, yes, I am. It's about uh, about six million in sales, sells to industrial and uh, material handling equipment distributors throughout the country. But during all this time, I've been teaching for twenty three years, and uh, started several other companies. Bought a building, uh, started Dynatrap in two thousand ten, which has been. Uh, a, a really interesting ride. The product is good. The need is there, uh, but it's not easy to sell because when you try to eradicate mosquitoes, they're very elusive. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pesky little pests, aren't they? They are, they are indeed. And you can uh, uh, rid, rid your backyard of mosquitoes one day and find the next day they're back and you wonder, how could this happen? Well, you look and you find that the bird bath that your wife just got as a gift is full of water and full of mosquito larvae. So we got rid of the bird bath and got rid of the mosquitoes. So it's not just trapping, it's making sure that your yard is policed so that you're uh, not creating more mosquitoes than you're catching. So you started this business nine years ago. I mean, we could talk about all the business you've started, but we only have a usually about a half hour program. So let's let's look at Dynatrap because obviously you're getting some accolades for that with being a finalist for the Ernst and Young Awards. You started it nine years ago. Tell us more about that company. What what did it look like when you started it, and then how has it grown? How many employees do you have? How do you distribute, etc.? Okay, it's very interesting. Uh, the company was bought uh, actually from a bank. Uh, it had been a product line of a company that had been failing, but a good product line. And so I was able to buy it for $16,000. Wow. Subsequently put in a whole bunch of money, uh, well over $100,000, and went and beat on the door of several banks. And for two years, I was scrapping, trying to get cash to run the business. I'm a veteran, so I got a Patriot loan, which was very uh, uh, helpful at, for $50,000. And then I got another loan from Wisconsin Women's Business Initiative. And they sell or they, they loan to women and to minorities. And I was neither. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I've seen your picture. You're neither a woman yeah. nor a minority. No, and uh, I was very fortunate uh, that uh, they were... Uh, impressed with the business and they were able to give me an $85,000 loan. And that was enough with my own funds and the loans to get us to the two year point. And the banks were telling me that, Hey, come back when you have two years of financials and then, then we'll talk with you. Sure enough, two years financials. I went to the bank and finally they were interested in giving me a loan. Now 
we're around 30 million in sales and it's just the opposite. Instead of me banging on their doors, they're banging on my door, which I like a lot better. <laughs> so do you think that your experience as an entrepreneur and starting these other businesses and then being a uh, per- university professor teaching entrepreneurship, do you think that helped you a little bit with the banks? I mean, that's something that I know a lot of people struggle with when they're new entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, their company might have a little track record, but they themselves don't. Does, does that help you with a background like you have? Well, it might, but I, I think it's fairly minor. They're more interested in what your personal balance sheet looks like and what your company balance sheet and income statement look like. Um, they're interested in the other ventures, but uh, they are really going to pay attention to the company they're going to be financing. Uh, so they're, they're kind of hard hearted in that regard, but uh, I've, I've come to like some of them. <laughs> So, so the company has grown. You bought it for sixteen thousand dollars, and you're now doing thirty million dollars in sales. That's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good record. What is the how is the company set up? How many employees do you have? Do you do your own manufacturing? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's very interesting. Like like all consumer electronics products, you're probably going to have it made in Asia, and sure enough, we have nine different plants that supply our product that are that are in China. Um, and we're looking at other locations as well, but China has been the primary uh, manufacturing base for us. Because it's very seasonal, as you can imagine, being a mosquito trap, it's very, very seasonal. We don't want to have a lot of fixed costs that uh, we'll not be supporting for half of the year. So we have the manufacturing done uh, subcontracted, We also have our logistics subcontracted. We have uh, two warehouses in Milwaukee, two a warehouse in Toronto, and a warehouse in Mexico City, and they're all uh, 3PLs, third-party logistics companies. Our staff is about 26, uh, very, very lean. We do all the accounting, of course, the finance, uh, the customer service, uh, marketing, and logistics uh, planning. But the execution of logistics and manufacturing is subcontracted. So when we have a low period, we don't have that uh, cost around our necks. That, that, that's awesome. So you, you're, you're up as a finalist for the Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. Uh, you know, what's exciting to you about that? Well, I'm a kind of private guy. And so I, when a, a photograph is taken, I'm usually in the back row hiding behind somebody. So this is different for me. Uh, they say it's a big deal, and I think it is. Um, I'm excited about it, uh, but as I say, I'm I'm uncomfortable being in the limelight. It's just not not me. And yet, uh, so when I when I asked you to come on the show, you said yes, and we're doing the interview 16 hours later. So uh, good for you. That's true. <laughs> so let's back up. You said you spent 11 years in corporate America, and eight of them was a you know waste of your time. Uh, Let's go back. What caused you then? What was inside of you to make you leave corporate America? And, and obviously your first venture into entrepreneurship didn't work out so well to start. But what caused you to say, dang it, Jim, I'm going to do this? I don't know. I think it was innate. I, uh, I used to sell uh, apples and cherries. I grew up in a, in a farm community, although we didn't really have much of a farm. It was a farm community and raised apples and cherries and asparagus and things. And I sold those at the, uh, uh, you know, on the road. Uh, it's like kids with a lemonade stand. I always ask the students in the entrepreneurship class, did you have a lemonade stand when you were five years old? And I'm amazed at the number of entrepreneurs that had a lemonade stand when they were five years old. 
I did. Was, I did. In fact, right. I had it with a friend and his name was Tim. So we called it TNT Lemonade. It's dynamite. And we actually had two locations because we lived on different streets. So we used to try to outsell each other. That's why you're an entrepreneur today. It was in your blood. <laughs> Maybe. I think that's, there's true the truth to that. Maybe, although although I'm I'm a pure solopreneur in my in my own business, so uh, you know I was strange. My first business, I had a business partner who lived around the corner, uh, and then I've never had a business partner again. So, actually, that's not true. I own part of a publishing company with my best friend from college, so I, I guess I'd still have a business partner on that. Um, so, what is it that you love about entrepreneurship? Because not only have you done this several times, but you decided to go teach it. You obviously have a passion for it. What what's great about being an entrepreneur? Well, I think it's the American dream, um, and hopefully the government isn't going to screw around it enough to screw it up. But uh, <laughs> many of the the, uh, the students are from overseas, and they admire the opportunity in this country to have your own business. And I, I think it's I think it's tremendous. I wish the assembler on the General Motors uh, assembly line that puts the screw into the car would have his own business and have the very best screws and have it most efficient, I think that would be an ideal situation. Now, that may be sound a little bit extreme, but I think entrepreneurship is is the answer. Are there parts of it that you don't love as much? Are there times in your life where you ever said, you know, if I had stayed in corporate America, I could be a senior vice president and just have a, you know, cushier life? No, I've had rough times, obviously, and I've mentioned those before. And uh, they're no fun, and it's been no fun for the family. My wife actually started a wallpaper business. My my daughter started a house cleaning business, and my son started a driveway ceiling business because I couldn't afford to buy their entertainment and their clothing when we had a, our first bus. So it's not been easy, but I still wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I talk about that a lot on on this program and in my writing and, and even on stage when I when I talk to audiences. I talk about the fact that, you know, Sometimes in life, and it's not just entrepreneurship, it's whatever whatever you're trying to do, sometimes things are going to change. You're going to have those ups and downs. But if you really you know, feel like, hey, I'm, I'm working towards something here, it gets you out of bed every morning. So I think you're right. I feel, I feel the exact same way. Well, great. I do want to mention one thing. I'm, I'm on the board and have been for 20 years of, a comp- of a, an organization called Economics Wisconsin. And the mission is to teach free market economics to elementary and secondary school students. And I have a very strong belief today that our students are not getting free market economics in school. In fact, they're getting just the opposite. And that really concerns me. So I'm, I'm uh, very dedicated to that organization. Uh, and it's just in the state of Wisconsin, although there are same organizations all over the country. We focus in Wisconsin. So what advice would you have? And I mean, obviously, as a university professor, you probably have a lot of it. What advice would you have for somebody who says, I've got that calling inside of me. I, I want, I admire entrepreneurship. I want to do my own thing, whether it's like me starting a one-man show or whether it's starting a large business that's going to have multiple employees and, and grow. What advice do you have? Well, I'd say that number one is don't give up. Uh, you may run into a roadblock, but that means you just pivot. You don't stop. You keep going. And you should have a mentor, uh, an, an advisor, somebody that's been around, has a bunch of scars on them, and can can uh, help you. I had one, and I would, that poor guy, I called him day and night for a year, I drove him nuts, but he had the experience and I needed it. So I think a mentor is really important. 
It's interesting that you say that because that's another topic that comes up a lot. I've, I've had some very good mentors in my life, so I, I agree with that. And then I've had the really the pleasure of mentoring these two guys who sort of appeared in my life right as they got out of college, like seven years ago. And they sort of showed up separately, and they one of them had seen me speak at a conference, and, and the other one I had met in a Starbucks. And they both sort of said, would you be my mentor? And I really didn't know what that meant because the mentors that I had had – were sort of uh, they sort of just sort of appeared and were there at the right time and I'd never had a formal sort of agreement and these guys were like would you be my career mentor and I'm like I don't really know what that means but you're welcome to call whenever and seven years later my wife invites them for Father's Day they are uh, I have two daughters in real life and my daughters refer to these two gentlemen as my fake sons uh, and they uh, they say their lives are better because they have me and they always ask they go how can someone be 30 years old they're both 29 turning 30. Like, how can someone be this age and not have a mentor? They go, the, the things we would screw up with our boss and with all this different stuff. Uh, so I think that's really a topic that gets me really excited. And it's interesting because you bring up the fact that you called this guy to your blue in the face. So this is something that I've started. I'm 52 years old. And in my speaking and working with Nick and Jake and, and, all, and as their mentor and this and that, I realized it's not really an age thing either. It's just an experience, someone who is in a spot to give advice. So I've actually started a hunt for a mentor, even at 52. And that's part of something I'm experimenting is, do you think that you have to be younger to have a mentor? Or is that something at any age you can do? Oh, I think at any age, uh, we just opened the Lubar Entrepreneurship Center at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, which is a building in which uh, entrepreneurship is going to be promoted. And they have a whole wall of cards with pictures and names on it of people that can mentor in various functional areas. That's going to be an essential part of what, what that center does. So if someone has a need, there's going to be a match that can be provided for them. And that, that's really, I think, a good thing. Yeah, Nick and Jake and I had the honor to speak at the South by Southwest conference on what is mentorship. And we actually told the story of, you know, kind of their story of having a mentor. And that was a lot of fun for us. And so I'm actually going to have them on the podcast. We're going to sort of recreate what we did at South by Southwest and have a discussion about it because I think I think it's important. That's why I'm looking for a new mentor, you know, this time more more formal. I think that it's something that a lot of people don't know what it means and they don't know how to go about it. And a lot of people make the ask and then it fizzles. So how, how does you get a mentor to stick? Like if you find the right person, how do you, how do you get that relationship to grow in your opinion? Well, I think it's a two way street. The mentor has to want to do it. And, and of course there has to be some chemistry uh, match. Um, I, I can't say that I'm a mentor for a lot of uh, students, although I do talk with a lot of them. There are one or two that, that I would say I am a, a mentor for. And, of course, they graduate and they go on, and, and I do have some contact with them beyond that. Um, but uh, I, I don't know how, how, you, uh, how it really happens. It's the chemistry's got to be there, the interest, and so forth. Um, just just kind of happens, I guess. So, Jim, one question that I ask all the great entrepreneurs who, who get to come on to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, my little podcast here, is I ask them about what they think is the difference for entrepreneurs who go farther across the gap from potential to results. Because one of the things I speak about, I go into companies, I do a program called the Paradox of Potential because we get so excited about potential. Whether it's an individual, we hire Becky, we think, oh my God, she's so great. And then a year later, we're transitioning Becky out of the company. Well, if she had potential... How come it didn't work out? Well, same thing is true for entrepreneurs. When we launch our businesses and go into whatever it is we're going to pursue, 
we obviously think, wow, we've got so much potential and our investors and our friends and, and the people who support us think the same thing, but a lot of businesses fail. Why do you think some entrepreneurs get farther across that gap between potential and results than others? Well, I'd say uh, two things. One, uh, uh, ability to stick with it and, and not give up. But I think uh, probably equally and maybe even more important is uh, the ability to recognize the need to pivot. And usually that's a result of customer discovery. You, you talk with customers and you find out what they really want. You may think you know what they want, but unless you talk with them, you really don't know. And if you're pursuing something that customers don't want, you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to pivot. And usually it's not a complete turnaround. It's just a modification of what you're doing. So I think uh, two things, stick with it and be prepared to pivot. I think that's great advice. So, Jim, I've got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jim Hunter. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you out there do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Jim, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now? Oh, boy. Uh, that's a bit of a curve. Let's see. <laughs> um, we're doing so many things. I, I'd say that the, the one we haven't talked about is the Metal Matrix composite company that uh, has also been started. And we don't have any sales yet. It's a, it's a concept that has been proven to be uh, a good product, but uh, we don't have sales and we haven't really gotten to the point of being able to put it on the market. It's an internal combustion engine cylinder liner application right now, and it would increase the horsepower and uh, heat transfer in a lighter weight. So I, I'd say a cool thing, uh, being able to get a new technology and finally get it to the point where you can uh, market it is is a lot of fun. It looks like pushing a rock uphill, though. <laughs> yeah, I always make the joke that the name of my business should be Sisyphus because I push that rock up the hill every day and I wake up in the morning and that rock is right there at my front door every day. You bet. You bet. So I love to ask the people who come on this show who it is they admire because I think great entrepreneurs are observers. And so I always like to ask the guests here on Cool Things, I always say, who is it when you look at the entrepreneur's sphere, you know, the world of entrepreneurs, who do you say, wow, he or she, they're doing cool things? Let me give you two examples. Warren Buffett, uh, the old guy, the oracle of Omaha, is, is, uh, he's, he's on, on a plateau by himself. But uh, a, a local guy, his, his name is Jesse DePinto, a young guy. And his title is Chief Growth Officer. Let me get the name of his company. It's a brand new one, and he's a young guy. I knew him uh, when he was at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, let's see. The company is um, Front Desk LLC, and they are a growing professional 
home rental management company. Hmm. Something nobody's heard of yet, but Jesse has had many different businesses and he's probably late 20s at this point. And I admire him because he sticks with it and he's creative, he's smart, and I think he's got something now. It may be a competitor to uh, Airbnb, hmm. only they think they're doing it better. So I admire Jesse because of his spunk and stick, stick to itness. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think if you said spunk, that's a word my dad used to use all the time. And I'll tell you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to have some spunk because otherwise uh, it can be a long haul. You bet. Hey, the last, the last question I ask everybody is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think if we're entrepreneurs and, and, and when we do well, I think we're fortunate. I feel very fortunate every single day when I look at my business, I look at my family, I look at the friends that I have, and I get to work in this business as a speaker and a master of ceremonies for some pretty cool events. And if you're fortunate, and I know I am, I think you have to do something to give back. You have to pay it forward. And so what do you do to serve the greater good? Well, uh, two things. Uh, one, we, we have a, a policy with our company that will match uh, uh, donations any of the, any of the uh, employees make, and I make significant donations myself, and the company matches them. But I, I mentioned before Economics Wisconsin, and I, I think for the future of our country, that effort is extremely important. Uh, it's a nonprofit. It's teaching teachers to teach elementary and secondary uh, school students about our, our free economy. And if we lose that, uh, we're doomed. And, and I think that we need the young people to understand what the opportunity is that that presents. So that's the major give back. And I think I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I have two daughters and one one is going to be a senior in high school next year and one will be graduating from college on Sunday. So this this podcast will air on Thursday. On Friday, I will fly to Pittsburgh and watch my daughter graduate from the business school uh, with her undergrad degree in business with a double major in history from Carnegie Mellon University. And I'm really proud. Yeah, I'm really proud of both of my kids because they both have a work ethic that is unparalleled. They get it from their mother, by the way. Uh, and they just really, I mean, if you give them a task, both my kids will just steamroll right through it. And my oldest daughter went to Carnegie Mellon's, chose them because it's one of the top 10 business schools for undergrad in the, in the country, chose it because it's one of the top you know, 10 or 15 universities in the world. Uh, and she went there with the intention of wanting to go to big business. And she said she wanted to be CEO of a Fortune 500 company. That's what she talked about in high school. She got in, she learned about the business world. She looked at the type of people who were going to go to Wall Street and said, that's not the type of person I am. Uh, she had a life change shift. She also said she was never going to marry. She met a young man, they're engaged. And so she's leaving school and she has decided not to go to big business. She wants to carve her own path in the world. Uh, and that involves starting her own business and then possibly to help her pay the bills while she's starting working for small businesses and doing some contract work and stuff. And people are like, how can you let her do that after graduating, you know, all that money to go to such an expensive school? And I'm like, no, she found herself and she has that drive. She has that, that I can make it work myself mentality that I don't think a lot of people are taught. And so uh, I'm, I'm sort of on board with what you said because I'm, I'm experiencing it with both my kids. They're looking at how can I create my own path? And I wish someone had said that to me when I was in my teens and 20s, because I probably would have done it earlier. I think the only regret I really have is I didn't start my own business when I was younger. 
Mine, mine is the same. I wasted eight years, uh, but congratulations. I think that's a wonderful story of your daughter. I wish her the, wish her the best. That's wonderful. Yeah, she's a, she's a good kid. Both my kids are, are really phenomenal. It's been fun going through this this path with them, and now we get to do the college selection all over again with, with the younger one. Um, but uh, Carnegie Mellon was a great school, and uh, I wish I had gone to, to a school like that. It was great. So Super. Very hey. good. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and good luck to you with the Entrepreneur of the Year Awards there in the Midwest. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking with you. If people want to find you or they need to get hold of a, a Dynatrap because they're thinking, I hate mosquitoes, how do they find the company? How do they find you? Well, two ways. Uh, Dynatrap.com uh, uh, is our website, uh, and I'm on LinkedIn, uh, James H. Hunter third, actually. Uh, so LinkedIn there, uh, the industrial products company is called handle it, H A N D L E dash I T.com. And intelligent composites is the, uh, is the metal matrix composites. They, there's a website for that. Nice. And economics, Wisconsin has their own website. So there are lots of different ways. So, so, so you can find James Hunter all over the place. Correct. All right, Jim, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for people listening to the program, why would we have the podcast? If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, getting new subscribers is the way shows get recognized. So if you, uh, if you know a group of people who are interested in hearing great interviews with people like Jim, tell them, subscribe to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I will tell you, when I, when I hear from people who listen to the show, I always ask, how did you find it? And they always say a friend told me or my wife told me or my boss listens to your show, et cetera, et cetera. So spread the word. Uh, also, you can find me on all the social medias. I'm just Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, you can find me everywhere. That's my website, TomSinger.com. And uh, uh, so send me a little note. Let me know if you like the show. Hey, we're going to be back in a few days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Jim. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there. Get your ladder against the right wall. Try something new. And while you're trying new things, have a great day doing it. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.